if you can't see this at home or in the room, uh, we've, got, uh, we've got eight chairs um, that we're going to put around the carpet here. And uh, the eight chairs have numbers on them, like this. This is number... Oh, you guys have such good vision. Good. Um, so that's, uh, that's what we're going to be doing here. Um, notice that one of them is a bit taller than the others. Which one is taller than the others? Can you tell? What number is it? Number one. So there's going to be only one number one chair. And we're setting this up to try to illustrate a couple of different things. One thing is we're trying to make Isaiah chapter 2 kind of come alive. And uh, we're going to be trying to picture what's happening in Isaiah chapter 2. And we're also going to be thinking about our relationships and trying to think about what peace in our relationships kind of looks like or what it should look like, but maybe doesn't. Okay, everybody okay? We all right? It's a lot of moving around. I'm tired already. Goodness. What's that? I could have asked for help. I sh that's, you're a wise man, Zeke. Here we go. Um, Isaiah chapter 2, um, it says this, just the, the first verse or so. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills. So um, chair number one is the highest mountain. If I had more capability, I would have actually used the stack of eight or nine, but then it would have been even more awkward. So we're just going with the stack of three, trying to illustrate the fact that there's one chair that's higher than all the other chairs. There's one mountain, if you will, that's higher than all the other mountains. Um, highest here means most significant or most important. Right, we're not thinking uh, literally, uh, uh, you know, spatial height, right? We're thinking most important, most significant. And, and, and when we're seeing this verse here, um, we're, we're probably thinking about maybe two things, right? That, uh, that, that something or someone is, is, is bigger, more significant, more important, higher than anything else. And we can think about that in a narrow sense, and we can think about it in a broad sense. The narrow sense, of course, is the city of Jerusalem. Uh, we can't really get around that, but as Isaiah is writing this, he's going to be thinking about the city of Jerusalem. Just listen to the language again. Right? The mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains. So the house of the Lord is the temple, right? And the temple is on uh, a hill, uh, and it's in the city of Jerusalem, right? So without a doubt, we are thinking about um, Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, how the people of God would have had to go up a mountain, up a hillside to get into the city and into the temple, right? That's the narrow sense of it. When Isaiah and the people of God that uh, were living at this time, around 750 BC, um, when they hear this, they're going to think, oh, city of Jerusalem, that's great. Our city, our temple, right? Our God is going to be the most highest, the most significant, the most important thing. Um, in the kind of more general sense, um, we would probably say that this is really just talking about God or Jesus himself. Um, think about this, right? In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, um, God, uh, Isaiah sees the Lord seated on the throne, and he is what? High and lifted up. 
Um, Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 through 9. God's ways and thoughts are higher than the ways and thoughts of anyone else. Um, Isaiah 57, verse 15. God is the one that is high and lifted up. Right? He's the exalted one. And, and you go even further and go all the way to Matthew chapter 26. And what we see in Matthew 26 is Jesus saying, hey, I am the temple, right, that, that is going to be torn down and rebuilt. See, Isaiah is mostly talking about movement towards God, not necessarily just a geographical location. And so uh, in the narrow sense, sure, we want to talk about Jerusalem, but in the much broader sense, and this is Isaiah's point, is that God is going to be the most significant, the most important thing ever. And everything will flow towards him. Everything and everyone. Because he'll be the highest and the tallest. He'll stand out in a crowd, just like the cross moving around the room. Uh, of course, there's a danger when it comes to this um, highest uh, mountain, this tallest chair, this number one chair, is that all too often we try to make something else the highest chair. So uh, oddly enough, what we do is we uh, maybe take away from this stack and we start stacking uh, chairs on other numbers. And we'll pretend that number seven over here is actually the most important, most significant chair. Anybody ever do that in life? Where, where you make something else more important than you make God? Come on, I only see one hand in the room, really? You bunch of liars. I do it all the time. Look, uh, the people of God in Isaiah chapter 2, you're all just trying to catch up with me. I know, I shouldn't have called you a liar. I'm sorry, that was rude. I repent and, uh, and I withdraw the statement. All right, you're just trying to catch up with me. Isaiah chapter 2, the people are doing this, right? Uh, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 8, it says this. Their land is filled with what? Idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, to what their own fingers have made. So, um, so, so the people of God living in Isaiah 2, they had all kinds of idolatry. And in this case, right, they're talking about little miniature figures that they would literally bow down and worship. They made these things with their hands. Uh, they, would, they would, you know, make it out of wood. They would uh, melt uh, different kinds of, of metals, and they would make these little figures that they would bow down and worship. And, of course, we have a broader uh, sense of idolatry. Maybe we bow down and we trust in our work. Maybe we bow down to and we trust in our money. Maybe we bow down and trust in entertainment, I mean, really, whatever you're kind of spending the most time with, thinking about, whatever you're bowing down to, whatever you're leaning on is an idol for you. It's what you worship. It's your God. You're making that the biggest chair. Um, the people of God were also struggling with pride. This is chapter 2, verse 11. The haughty looks of man shall be brought low, and the lofty pride of men shall be humbled, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. Isaiah has to say that because pride is an issue, and he's warning the people that pride needs to stop. So, so one thing that happens, right, is, um, is that for whatever reason, maybe we make chair number three, right, our, our idol, and, and then maybe we make ourselves the most important chair, right? That's pride. We make ourselves the most important, most significant thing. Um, the last one uh, that, that maybe uh, stands in our way is Isaiah chapter 2, verse 22. Stop regarding man in whose nostrils is breath, for of what account is he? 
So one problem, one danger is that we make the biggest chair something else besides God. Maybe we make the most significant, most important thing ourselves, and maybe we make the most important, most significant thing the opinion of other people. We're worried about what other people think about us. We are concerned about what they desire and what they want instead of what God wants. And so all of a sudden they become the biggest chair. Everybody tracking with me so far? It's about to get messy. Are we okay? I just want to make sure that we're okay. All right, so we're going to illustrate uh, this danger of making something else the most important, most significant chair. I need seven people to come up here. You don't really have to say very much uh, or anything, but I need seven people to come up and help me illustrate some things just momentarily. Any age is fine. Just uh, I don't care if you're 90 or 9. You can do whatever I'm going to ask you to do. So I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I only need seven. I'm sorry. Tom, oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, Steve, come on back. Uh, Tom Watney bailed. We're going to kick Tom Watney out. So, so you're in, Steve. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so here, here's the deal. I need you to just stand uh, next to a chair, please. Uh, if, if, it was, yeah, if there was a number on the chair, just kind of leave that down. So stand next to it, if you would. And, and we're going to illustrate this in a couple of different ways. Um, first of all, what we want to do is make sure that we're all friends uh, around this square, right? We're all friends or friendly at least. So just kind of look around and say, hi, buddy. Oh, you can say it with more enthusiasm than that. Say, hi, buddy. Yeah, good. All right. So we're all friends around this, uh, around this lovely little square. And, and round one, right, I'm going to count to three. One, two, three, go. And when I say go, everybody's going to move towards chair number one because there's only one number one chair. Um, there's only one thing that is most significant, most important uh, in this square, and of course, it's God the Father Almighty, the Lord Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit, right? And so, so we're gonna move towards chair number one uh, to pull in the language from uh, the book of Colossians chapter three. We've all got our minds set on Christ, right? And so uh, we're all gonna move towards, or everything's gonna flow towards chair number one, all right? So uh, count of three, one, two, three, go. Excellent. Everybody give them a rousing round of applause. Come on, go on back to where you were before. Um, see, see, this is the, the, the cool thing, right? The, the, this is kind of what we long for and what we see happening in Isaiah chapter 2. Right? When everything is moving towards God, guess what? Was there much bumping or com commotion or fuss or hullabaloo in their mo movement? Not really, right? It got a little tight and a little narrow as we got here to uh, chair number one. Uh, that's because every illustration uh, has its limits. But, but just see this, right? Um, when everything is moving towards God, there's not much bumping. There's not much confusion. There's not much commotion or fuss. Um, if you guys would uh, just kindly pick up uh, uh, the, the little marker on there. And then what it does, it has a number. And uh, I, I'm dictating this for you, what number you're going to. And uh, we're just going to illustrate this again. And what I want you to do this time is when I count down three, two, one, go, I want you to move as quickly as you can um, to the chair that I've uh, designated for you. Let me just move. Wait, no, no, not yet. I didn't say go. Goodness, we've got some eager beavers here. So we're going to move as quickly as we can to the chair that I designated for you. And, um, and then we're just going to sort of see what happens, and then we'll talk about it, all right? So three, two, one, go. 
Good. So um, they were very polite and very kind in their movement overall, right? Which, by the way, is what we tend to do. But was it as smooth as it was with round number one? There was some getting in each other's way. There was some bumping that happened. Why? Because we weren't all moving towards the most significant, most important thing. Uh, because these guys behind me are sinners, and they're moving towards something else. They've made something else more significant and more important than God. Are you tracking with me? Now, if they were in real life, what they would have done is they would have actually moved as fast as they can towards the chair that they thought was most important and most significant. I don't care who's in my way. Get out of my way. I'm getting to that chair, right? This is the world that we live in. Although we as Christians take the really nice approach, and, and I noticed that, that, uh, that Carrie kind of hung back a little bit, and, and he waited for everybody else to move, and then he sort of moved his way through after everybody else politely walked through the middle, which is what we do sometimes, right? Uh, we, 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 we still have like this other chair or this other thing that we're moving towards, and we sort of like put ourselves on the back burner, and we say, oh, I'm just going to wait back until everybody else can get there, and then I, I'm not going to add to the commotion of fuss that way, Right? Um, okay, so, so uh, let, let's think about this a, a little bit more um, and, uh, and, and think about some other ways that we sort of mess up our movement. I'm sorry that I called you guys sinners. Are you okay with that designation? I would be uh, messing up the middle as well, by the way, so uh, I'm, I'm uh, looping myself into that. I'm just calling all kinds of people names today. Okay, so, so, so um, stay on the outside for just a moment, and, and here's some other ways that we sort of mess up our relationships, that we mess up our relationships. Um, sometimes what we do is, um, is we, we, we start to um, judge other people around the square um, we start to decide who's right and who's wrong before we even move into the middle. Um, and, and so what we're doing is uh, maybe Noah over here at chair number three is trying to convince people um, that, uh, that really everything should be moving towards chair number seven. And he's just saying, Chuck, Chuck, you got to stop moving towards chair number two. You got to move towards number seven because you've just got it all wrong and you're goofy, right? But, and we do that sometimes, right? It sounds silly, but this is what we do in our relationships. We, we start to uh, just, just, even before we start moving, we decide which chair is going to be most important, most significant, and we try to convince everybody else that we should be moving towards that chair. Um, the other thing that we do, uh, which all just kind of uh, take maybe two or three steps inside towards the middle, uh, so, so here's what we do, right? We still do this judgmental thing, uh, but we do it inside the square. And, and, and we start to point at each other, and we start to decide who's right and who's wrong, who had the right away, and who should get out of my way uh, when we're in there. Um, because um, the reality is that we've got our minds set on a particular chair that we think we should get to. And, um, and if somebody gets in our way, then then we're going to judge and decide who's right and who's wrong. It's a very different picture that we see in Isaiah chapter 2. I, I just want you to see this. You guys okay if I talk a little bit more and then I let you sit down? All right, I just want to make sure. Um, Isaiah chapter 2, very different picture that we see here, right? Oops, that's Colossians. Isaiah 2. Um, it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills, and all the nations shall flow to it. 
okay? We've got that easy flow to it. And many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we, we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Here it comes. He shall judge and he shall decide disputes for many peoples. So who does the judging and the deciding in Isaiah chapter 2? Who does the deciding and the judging in Isaiah chapter 2? Yeah, God does it, right? Which means that we don't have to. It's this beautiful picture in Isaiah chapter 2 that, that we're all on the outside and then we start moving towards chair number 1 and we let God do the deciding and the, and, and the judging when we get there. We might have disagreements on the way. We might not all line up uh, as we're moving there, but guess what? It's okay because we're moving towards God and we trust and we're submitting and surrendering towards his judgment and his decision-making. And so we don't have to, to attack somebody else. You're, you're wrong and I'm right. We don't have to defend ourselves. No, I'm right. No, we just are, are happy moving towards God we're happy moving towards chair number one, towards the most significant, most important thing ever. And we'll let him decide and judge when we get there. Does that make sense? Massively different picture than how we actually live our lives. Massively different picture. Okay, give these guys a hand, and then you guys can all have a seat. Um, my, my hope here is really just to, to, to offer a couple of, of pieces of, of just like general, I don't know, I don't want to call it wisdom, but just like general practical advice. And, and hopefully you've been able to kind of pick up on this and be placing yourself around this square as, as we've been kind of illustrating Isaiah 2 and the ways that we mess it up. Right, because that's really what we're trying to do is just kind of picture like this is Isaiah like getting a picture and a vision from God of what the world should be like. Of what things are like when God is the most significant, most important piece ever. Uh, that's what Isaiah 2 is trying to show us. And then, and then in the rest of chapter 2, as I was trying to tell you, um, uh, it's kind of like the more realistic picture <laughs> of how we actually mess things up. And the ways that we uh, bump heads and we bump into each other and all of a sudden our relationships are filled with tension and difficulty and awkwardness. And so, so a few things to just kind of keep in mind that, that might bring more peace into our relationships. I want to offer maybe, maybe three things, four things. First off, when you bump into somebody, I want to encourage you that the first thing that you should do is simply ask yourself, what's the most important chair? Because I'm just finding in my own life, like as I'm moving around and I bump into somebody else, which is usually my wife, by the way, um, and she's not here, so I can, I can say that. But usually when I bump into somebody else, guess what? I'm just finding that we're moving towards different chairs and I'm particularly moving towards the wrong chair. And so it's a massively helpful question, like when we bump into somebody, when, when, when the relationship gets awkward and, and when we get in each other's way, it's just sort of helpful to say, man, which chair am I moving towards? It's a way to just look ourselves in the mirror and be honest. Am I being prideful? Do I have a, an idol that I need to let go of? Have I elevated somebody else's opinion above God's opinion? 
or any other long list of things that we might pursue and, and desire and go after that isn't the most important, most significant being that's ever lived? First question that we should ask ourselves is simply, am I moving towards the right chair? Um, second question that we need to, uh, need, need to be um, thinking about is simply, which chair are they moving towards? Now just see this, not in a judgmental way. What I'm saying is we need to, when we bump up into somebody, it's just like maybe what would be helpful is to like pull up a chair and just start asking some curious questions. Because look, if they're moving towards the wrong chair, it sort of helps de-stress the situation a little bit. And you're able to say, oh, they're, they're not evil incarnate. They're not trying to get in my way. They're not trying to, to, to ruin my day. They're just moving towards the wrong chair. And it gives us a much different approach, right? If we're on mission with Jesus, it gives us a much different heart level approach to that person that we're bumping into, uh, that we're bumping up against. Uh, to just ask curious questions and, and, and just to get to know them a little bit and spend time with them and let them be a person <laughs> uh, and, and, and ask that question, hey, uh, in your own heart and mind, like where are you moving towards? And then the third thing is kind of off of that is to invite them to come with you to the mountain of the house of the Lord. Did you catch the language? Not only is everything moving uh, towards the mountain of the house of the Lord, but they're like saying it as they go. Uh, chapter 2, verse 3, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. So, so everything is moving towards the highest, uh, most significant, most important chair, but they're like talking to each other as they go. And so it's not just like, a, oh, I'm just going to let you go on your path towards the wrong chair. No, no, it's a, hey, well, you could just come with me to the mountain of the house of the Lord. See, all of a sudden, again, we don't have to attack. We don't have to defend. We don't have to, you know, try to win. We're just saying, hey, why don't you come with me on this journey to the mountain of the house of the Lord? And when we get there, guess what's going to happen? He's going to tell us about who he is and how much he loves. He's going to tell us what path we should be on. This is not an invitation um, to hear from you. It's an invitation to hear from God. It's not an invitation um, to get on your path, but, but for people to hear what path God wants them to be on. Uh, and so we're inviting people to come with you to the house of the Lord. Uh, first piece of advice, hey, which chair am I moving towards? Second thing we want to do is, hey, which chair are they moving towards? Third thing, invite them to come to the mountain of the house of the Lord, to come to the most important, most significant, most awesome thing that they could ever know. And the third thing is going back to the kids' chat and just rejoicing that you have a Jesus that was raised up for you to see. So, so we want to ultimately take our eyes off of ourselves and where I am. We want to take our eyes off of other people Man, we want to keep our eyes on Jesus, right? And we want to go where he is. We want to rejoice that he was raised up so that we might be saved. We want to rejoice and, and go to where he is because, because at the foot of the cross is our redemption and our life. At the foot of the cross is brand new life because we know that he doesn't stay on that cross. He leaves a tomb empty and he gives you new life. And so, so, yes, we want to ask ourselves that question. Yes, we want to be thinking about the other people. But more than anything else, let's look for Jesus. 
He's not trying to hide. It's a beautiful, good news, gospel truth that he was raised up so that we might be saved. All of us. Amen.